Okay, this is the third time that I have tried to record this, so hopefully the third time's a charm, as they say. We'll see. Uh, it's uh, It's been a little bit of an emotional um, month, and I'm going to try to recap this last month and share with you the things that the Lord has laid on my heart, and I just pray that whoever you are, wherever you're listening from, that you would be encouraged today that this what I'm going to share with you would encourage you, would bless you, and that the Lord would use it in some way in your life. And so that is my prayer for each of you listening right now. So this, the, the, I've thought of, how can I describe this last month? What are, what are the best words that I could use if I could put it in a nutshell? And I came up with just two words, and that is a lot I know sometimes when uh, we see that word, we see it as one word, A-L-O-T, but it's actually, I'm giving you a little grammar lesson. You're welcome. (laughs) It's actually two words. We don't spell it a lot, A-L-O-T. It's actually two words, a lot. And those are the two two words that I would use to describe my month. It's just been a lot. There's been a lot of death and a lot of emotional stuff (laughs) the last month. And so I'm going to try to recap and just share with you the things that I've, the Lord has laid on my heart and that I'm processing as I go through these losses that I've experienced recently. So back on January uh, 20th, I got word that uh, a good friend of mine, a dear friend of mine had lost her battle with uh, metastatic breast cancer the day before on the 19th. And she and I met, we had been good friends for, I don't even know how many years, 15 years, I think. Um, we met when I was teaching second grade at a private school for one year. Her daughter was in my class, and my daughter was also in my class, and we became very close, and Morgan spent a lot of time with Jen, my friend Jen, and her family, and so Jen was kind of like a second mom to Morgan, and she was just a, a true a treasure of a friend and a blessing in all of our lives, and found out that she lost her battle. She had dealt with this for four years, and she was just a little bit younger than me. At the age of 53, she lost her battle with metastatic breast cancer. And when I got that word of that, it made me think of my other good friend, Anna. And you might have heard an episode about her story if if you're a regular listener. If not, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. I think it's titled Perspective Changes Everything. Very, very impactful testimony story about her, about Anna and her Um, how she dealt with her diagnosis and anyway I immediately thought about Anna and you know my husband and I uh, pray for her regularly but when I got word of Jen just began praying even harder and and the timing two days later on the on the 21st actually was the next day got word that Anna uh, had passed away and lost her battle also with metastatic breast cancer and um, very very sad. She's um, she was only thirty nine, a young mother, mother of two young children, and so a lot of a lot of grief and sadness for especially for these families that are um, dealing with such a such a hard loss, difficult loss. And then I guess it was four days later on January twenty fifth got word that another good friend of mine had lost her bonus mom. She calls her her bonus mom. It's a great testimony and story, but it's not mine to share, so I'm not going to share that. But 
uh, also lost her mom to uh, medicine or not just to, to cancer. And I only had the privilege of meeting her one time for maybe 15 minutes. And in that short 15 minutes, this woman made me feel like I was her best friend. I She gave me her undivided attention and just was so um, genuine and just really made me just feel like I was the only person she was talking to and that she knew me forever. It was, she's just a precious woman. And I know why my friend loved her so much. And anyway, that, that happened on the 25th. And then that night, the same night, I got a message from my dear friend, Sue's daughter, that she wasn't doing well. And if you also, if you listen to my podcast, you are familiar with my dear Sue If you have listened to the Christmas sweater episode, which is one of my favorite stories of all time, because my life was profoundly changed by some, by Sue and of course by the Lord, but how the Lord used her in my life. And anyway, I encourage you to listen to that. Even if you've listened to it again, go listen to the Christmas sweater again. It's, it's such a great story of God's faithfulness and Oh, it's just great. So anyway, that night I got word that Sue was not doing well. She was supposed to go in. She too had cancer and was supposed to be going in for a radiation treatment and everything changed instantly and she was just in so much pain and they found out that the cancer had gone from her hip to her back and she was going to have to go into hospice and we were supposed to talk just like two days before that, three days before that. We played some phone tag and it didn't work out. Uh, for us to talk and anyway that was really that was tough and so one of the things there's just a lot that's been going through my mind since all of this has happened I first and I'm so I'm so glad the Lord didn't let me go here for very long but I first started to do that thing that I think is human nature to do where we we look at our last interactions with our loved ones or friends who pass and we start doing the if onlys like if only i had called her one more time or if only i had gone to see her one more time or if only and i i went there for just a short while and i'm happy to say that the lord showed me where the source of that was from that's not from him and i was able to move past that and and in really sweet on a really sweet note my dear friend jen it was her daughter who really spoke some truth into me about that because I started to talk to her about that and was apologizing that I hadn't, you know, been, been there more toward the end with Jen. And she's, she, she just stopped me and said, you know, that's, that's not from the Lord. And, and that is not what characterized your, your friendship at all. So anyhow, I encourage you if you, if, if you do, if you've done that, or if you're maybe even experiencing that right now, that, that is not something that God would want us to do, to think about all of the if-onlys and going back and having regrets. That is, that's not what he would want us to do. I do think what he would want us to do is to prioritize people. Like that is definitely one thing that he has really, really reminded me of and put on my heart is to prioritize people over other things, <laughs> people over 
everything, because that's what Jesus did. Jesus obviously was all about the people, and he interacted. His whole life was about serving and loving people, not only his whole life, but his death, right? It's all about people. So I think that he would want us to do that and keep prioritizing people in our lives, all the people that he places in our lives, but not in a way where we have major, um, uh, what's the word, regret or... Um, and oh, I can't think of the word, but hopefully you're getting the gist of what I'm saying here because my thoughts are a little bit jumbled and I'm sorry. But anyway, that, that came to mind for a minute. And then the, but the other thing that really just came to mind or a sense that I got a feeling was just this overwhelming sense of urgency. And I think it's very uh, normal or typical when we have it, when we do experience a loss or a death of somebody that we reevaluate, we start to reflect, we start to reevaluate, reprioritize our lives, and we think about what's important. And that's what I did. I mean, there was a lot. That was a lot. There were, um, yeah, four four deaths in a matter of a month. And I don't know if I don't know if I said this, but on the night of Jen's memorial service, I got word that Sue had gone to be with Jesus on the same night. The timeliness of all these things, it was just, it was, it was God. I felt like it was God. And anyhow, so I, obviously we do that. We reevaluate, we we reflect, we reprioritize. So I started to do that and just think about what am I doing? What, how am I spending my days? What is my what is my purpose? And I guess the main reason why I started to do that is I started thinking about these four women and how I could hold both. I could hold that grief and sadness and sorrow in one hand. And then in this other hand, if you can picture me with my two hands, holding this joy and peace and comfort, knowing that each and every one of those women are home. They're truly home now. They're where they belong. This earth is not our home. It's a temporary dwelling. And as good as it can be sometimes, we know we also know how bad it can be here sometimes. But we know that the word tells us that he has has made another home. He has been waiting for us to join him in our true eternal home. And that is where these sweet women are. And just just the other day, as sad as I am about not being able to ever hear my my friend Sue's voice again or talk to her on the phone or get get advice from her or just share something with her, as sad as that makes me, I'm so incredibly joyful that she is where she is meant to be and she is at home and at peace with her Jesus. She loved Jesus so much. And just the other day, I heard a song on the radio about heaven, and I got this instant vision of Sue laughing, just laughing with Jesus. She had the most contagious laugh. I loved, loved, loved her laugh, and I can, I can hear it. I can, I can hear it right now. And just the, the incredible joy that comes at the same time as while I'm grieving her, just the joy knowing where she is. And I had just shared that with her daughter uh, earlier today. I said, I, I heard a song the other day and I just imagined your mom with Jesus. And I didn't tell her about the laughing part, but she texted me back right away a picture 
of uh, Jesus with somebody laughing, and it looks it looks like they're in paradise in heaven. And she said, yeah, this is what God gave me a vision of is my mom laughing with him. And I said, that is the exact vision that I got. And so it's this, um, par- uh, is it a paradox? Is it a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, I don't, I can't think of the right word, but, you know, just being able to hold both at the same time is, is a lot as well because it's so many conflicting emotions and, and they, they're, I feel like kind of like a, a roller coaster at time, like times I'm so sad and I'm so sad for all the loved ones left behind, especially I'm so sad, but then I will get a glimpse of one of these sweet women in the arms of Jesus and it just brings me so much joy and along with that came this sense of urgency because in these four cases it's easy to rejoice but then I start thinking about other people in my life thinking about other really important people in my life loved ones really special people and even strangers that I see on the on the street neighbors people I see when I pass by them in my in the hallways at my school where I teach and I think would I be able would I be able to hold both if if one of these people whoever it is passed would I be able to and in in many of those cases most of those cases no I don't I don't think I could uh because they haven't, you know, haven't professed, um, haven't given their life to Jesus. All so grateful that all these other women have. And they, they knew, they knew where they were going and they could gracefully, um, gracefully live out their last days because they knew where they were going. They could gracefully and faithfully live those days out. It was very precious to watch in all, all four cases. And yeah, so just thinking about other people who might not have, it might not look that way for them if they were terminally ill and it would look starkly different. And just what does that mean? What does that mean for me? And what does that mean for you? This is what I'm wrestling with right now. What does that mean for me? And what does that mean for you? And so this sense of urgency has really bubbled up in me. And I have told you before on this podcast that one of the things that I struggle with is sharing the gospel in a bold and confident way. I share my stories, these these testimonies, all day long with anybody I will share. But when it comes to actually presenting the gospel, and I, I for whatever reason, it's something that you know, I've struggled with. And I shared that also on this, on this podcast, when I talked about my sister, Lisa coming to know Jesus, I had the privilege, the privilege of being able to walk her through that and, um, pray, tell her, tell her how to do that. And I didn't do it very eloquently and I didn't do it very well. And guess what? She still came to know Jesus, (laughs) despite my, uh, Moses, like, uh, stumbling and uh, um, murmuring or what's the word I'm looking for? Stuttering, right? Despite all that, she, if, if the Lord wants to draw somebody to himself and enter into their heart and make him Lord of their lives, he is going to do that, right? 
no, we, we can't mess that up. We can't get in the way of that. However, he also tells us that he wants to use us to be his hands and feet and to share, spread the good news. That is, that is our goal when I, or our purpose, right? When I think about so often in life, we're all searching, what's our purpose? What's our purpose? And I have done retreats where we've done purpose boards and boards and vision boards and, um, just really analyzing and reflecting and praying about what's our purpose. But it's, I, I really believe looking back that I've complicated that in my own life and maybe even in, in others' lives is the, the purpose, the purpose is always the same. The purpose is to love God and love others. The purpose is to glorify him with our lives. And the purpose is to tell other people about him and about the good news so that other people have the same hope and joy that we have, right? That the purpose doesn't change. Maybe how we go about it and our um, our platform, you know, how we're, how we're doing it, the job we have, the neighborhood we live in, um, that, that might change, but the purpose remains the same. But ever since this, this month, this during this whole month, just one person after another going to be with Jesus, it's just made me have this sense of urgency about, you know, what, what, where do, what do I go from here? Where do I go? How do I become um, a, a better deliverer, a better sharer of the good news? Because without that good news, I would not be holding both for each of these women. I would only be holding grief and sadness and sorrow and hopelessness. But because of the good news, because of the gospel, because of the the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus, I can hold all of that joy and hope and confidence and comfort in this other hand. And I just want to, I, I don't, I don't have like perfect answers for myself or I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> I don't have any answers. I just have a lot of questions. Like for I'm going to ask myself these questions and this is not planned so I'm just doing this off the cuff. I'm going to ask myself these questions and I'm going to throw them out to you as well. So do you do I know what my purpose is? Am I living my life? Is my life aligned to that purpose? And what is preventing me from living out that that true purpose, which is basically to share the good news? That's it. That's it. So what what is what's what's holding me back? What's holding you back? I can, a bunch of stuff just came to mind. <laughs> a bunch of stuff just came to my own mind personally, but I'm not going to share that because I just feel like this is a question for each of us to contemplate and reflect on individually. If we know, if we know where we're going, if we know where our hope lies, if we know how we can have that hope and that future and have that joy knowing where we're going. Like I used to be so afraid of death as a little girl. And I, once I knew, once I accepted Jesus into my heart, that went away. 
I'm no longer afraid of dying. To live is Christ and to die is gain. He tells us that the minute we enter into that death, it, that's when our real life truly begins. So if we know this, if I know this, why am I so afraid to tell people? Why am I not telling people more? Why? What am I doing? What am I doing? And it's interesting. I had uh, interviewed a mutual friend of mine and Jen's. Uh, her name's Valerie. I've interviewed her before. And I interviewed her this summer. Uh, and it was all about that. It was about how, because she is one of the boldest people I know in sharing the gospel. Like she just, she uh, seek to serve is the episode if you want to listen to that one. But I, and, and I, <laughs> I interviewed her because I'm like, okay, spell it out like how you know X Y Z whatever and I never did I never did air that or record publish whatever that episode because it was longer and it was going to take me a lot of time to go through it and edit it and and it's just been sitting there and I've been it comes to my mind a bunch of times like why haven't I done that why haven't I done that and partially because. I've been teaching and my life has been just totally consumed with that. But also, I believe that God, his timing is perfect. And he, I, I didn't feel, feel totally compelled to publish it at the time. And so now that this is coming up again, this sense of urgency and this sense of our, our um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, this like com- being feeling compelled, I guess, to be a better steward of the good news, be a better steward of the gospel, I am planning to very soon go back and and listen to that and publish that because I think we have so much to learn from from Valerie and from, there's a lot of people we can learn from, but personally, he put it on my heart to ask her to share with us. So I am going, that will be the next episode. I'll I'll, uh, definitely be, definitely be looking for that. But I just want to leave us with with those questions again, you know, what, what is, do, do we know our purpose? Are we, is our life, are our lives aligned with our purpose? And what's, if not, what's preventing us? What's preventing us? Um, so I'm going to leave with that, but actually I'm going to leave with this awesome, awesome story about, hold on, I got to find it. Um, this was, this was read at Jen's funeral or her memorial service. And she was signing all of her cards with this little saying at the end, and I, I kind of understood what it was, but I didn't know the whole story behind it, and I, I never asked her. But I found out at her service, it's called Keep Your Fork, and I'm going to read for you the story. And she had, <laughs> my friend, I oh my gosh, she was so creative and so fun, and she had planned a whole theme for her funeral. She even wrote her own obituary, which I just love because she was always the obituary writer, and her obituary was phenomenal, what she wrote. But yeah, she had a whole fork theme, and this is the story behind it, and I'm going to leave us with this. Keep your fork. There was a young woman who had been diagnosed with a terminal illness and had been given three months to live. So as she was getting her things in order, she contacted her pastor and had him come to her house to discuss certain aspects of her final wishes. She told him which songs she wanted sung at the service, which scriptures she would like read, and which outfit she wanted to be buried in. 
Everything was in order, and the pastor was preparing to leave when the young woman suddenly remembered something very important to her. There's one more thing, she said excitedly. What's that? came the pastor's reply. This is very important, the young woman continued. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. The pastor stood looking at the young woman, not knowing quite what to say. That surprises you, doesn't it? the young woman asked. Well, to be honest, I'm puzzled by the request, said the pastor. The young woman explained, My grandmother once told me this story, and from that time on, I have always tried to pass along its message to those I love and those who are in need of encouragement. In all my years of attending socials and dinners, I always remember that when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean over and say, Keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew that something better was coming, like velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie, something wonderful and with substance. So I just want people to see me there in that casket with a fork in my hand, and I want them to wonder, what's with the fork? Then I want you to tell them, keep your fork, the best is yet to come. The pastor's eyes welled up with tears of joy as he hugged the young woman goodbye. He knew this would be one of the last times he would see her before her death. But he also knew that the young woman had a better grasp of heaven than he did. She had a better grasp of what heaven would be like than many people twice her age, with twice as much experience and knowledge. She knew that something better was coming. At the funeral, people were walking by the young woman's casket, and they saw the cloak she was wearing and the fork placed in her right hand. Over and over, the pastor heard the question, what's with the fork? And over and over, he smiled. During the message, the pastor told the people of the conversation he had with the young woman shortly before she died. He also told them about the fork and what and about what it symbolized to her. He told the people how he could not stop thinking about the fork and told them that they probably would not be able to stop thinking about it either. He was right. So the next time you reach down for your fork, let it remind you ever so gently that the best is yet to come. <laughs>